Adam 12. Adam 12. Cop Talk America's on the air. Copy. Put me 10-6. I'm tuning into Cop Talk America. Welcome to Cop Talk America, where police discuss the job, answer questions, and respond to law enforcement hot topics around our great nation. With over 100 years combined law enforcement experience, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of Cop Talk America, where uh, we only care about the truth, not your feelings. And today we're joined by Jerry, Jeff, uh, Jarvis, and I'm Dave, and we got a special guest from the... uh, Illinois Pension Board that's going to be talking. His first name Sean. Before we get going, though, I'm going to give some uh, just a shout-out. Unfortunately, we have four officers killed in the line of duty since our last episode, and we just want to make mention of them. Uh, police Officer Kyle Ollinger from the Montgomery County Police Department in Maryland. Conservation Officer Eugene Wynn, Jr. from Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Deputy Sheriff Justin Richard DeRosier from Cowlitz County Sheriff's Office in Washington. And Sergeant Stephen L. Lichen from the California Highway Patrol. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with them and their families. So we'll get started here today. Uh, we kind of already introduced our special guest, Sean, uh, from the Illinois Pension Board. He's going to go over some stuff with pensions and a lot of things that are going on right now, especially here in the state of Illinois. So, Sean. And I'm sure it doesn't affect just the state of Illinois either, does it? affects it? everybody. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> currently right now down in Springfield, uh there's been a big push for pension consolidation. Um, and depending on who you talk to, the legislators down there, it, there's all sorts of different plans, different ideas, things like that, that they want to take uh, the municipal workers. We're all called Article 3, Article 4, police and fire pension funds. So we all have our own separate pension funds. Each city has uh, you know, their own setup, things like that. But it's all governed by the state, so a lot of people get confused by that. Um, the way we uh, invest – the way things are monitored, um, different, you know, things are all governed by, by state law, but it's locally ran. So currently down in Springfield, um, the municipalities complain that they pay too much in the pension system. Um, we hear over and over again about how uh, cops and firemen are getting laid off because of the pension debt, um, the increased cost of the pensions, things like that. So one of the things that are being pushed right now is they want to take all 650, right now there's about 650 um, downstate police and fire pension funds, and push it all into one and let the state control it, um, just like IRMF or you know some of these other state-type system, pension systems. Um, and obviously we're pretty much opposed to that. Um, basically for the real reason is that's – about $18 billion combined between all the municipalities that, that are affected that the state would have control of. Um, when you look at some of the legislation out there, and there's so much. Uh, they want to create like a like a, an oversight board to monitor it, which most of them would be governor appointees. Uh, there would be one fireman, one police officer on that board. Um, you know, they entice with, with uh, investment authority, things like that. But at the end of the day, there's two simple solutions to it. Number one, we get compared to IRMF, um, which has greater returns than what we do, but we're hamstrung because they have uh, what they call the prudent man investment authority. They can invest in anything. Where we can't, they limit what we can invest in. Um, just uh, in Peoria alone, we have about 
60 million dollars invested by law that we have to in what they call fixed income which is basically bonds that yields one percent that's like a savings account now if we could take even half of that put it in equities you're going to get seven percent six percent you're going to get greater market return which is going to up that contribution um, but they won't give us that authority to do that at least not yet the other problem too that that we have <clears throat> is the way they um, paid down that debt, the amortization. Um, basically, it's kind of like people compare it to like a, a home mortgage. I don't like that comparison. It's it's more like credit card debt. So the municipality will have X amount of unfunded liability, money that they owe the pension system. And they, the state of Illinois always comes in with a hard fixed date. Like currently, it's 2040. You have to be 80% funded by 2040. The problem with that is, is the system's not designed for a hard set date. So basically, between 2030 and 2040, there could be a 100-person turnover. So say 2035, they hire 10 guys. Those 10 guys' share of that, that pension debt has to be fully funded in five years, right, according to the law. Now, the problem with that is, Illinois is the only state in the nation that does that with their municipalities. There's no other system like that, okay? What they need to do, and what we've suggested, we put uh, some bills out there, is if you get a guy hired in 2035, you got X amount of years, 20 years, to fully fund his part of the pension. And that's open amortization. There's no hard debt saying has to be paid off, has to be paid off, has to be paid off. Now, if you look back... You know, since 1994 when the system was uh, revamped, um, they keep kicking that date out about every 10 years. The last time was 2011. You know, they they just keep pushing that back, back, and back because as you get closer to that date, the the funding mechanism ramps up. Okay, it was designed by Governor Edgar, um, and it just keeps ramping up so that debt increased, but the municipality has to pay keeps going up to try and meet that obligation because of that hardline date which absolutely makes no sense. When you ask the people who designed it, how they came up with that, nobody can really give you an answer. Um, So the two things that that we want to change is give us the full investment authority, let's invest the way we want to and the way we can, and then in that that hardline investment date of a fixed date, so it's stretched out, it's always open. So if you get a group of guys, 20, 30 guys, hired in one year, you've got X amount of years to pay their pension debt, you know. Um, in this in this municipality, the one thing that, that uh, I keep hearing over and over again is <clears throat> we're going to lay off police, we're going to lay off fire, we're going to do this, we're going to do that because of the pension debt. Now, the problem is they always compare, you know, like I said, to IRMF. The problem is the municipality, when you – Every year we have to uh, have evaluations done. We have to have audits, things like that. And they, they, they come up with numbers on how much uh, um, pension debt, how much pension debt that uh, um, the, the city has to pay to keep things going. Um, and so when, you, when they look at that number, there's always three numbers. You have a high number, this is ideal. Then the actuary comes in and says, this is what we recommend to get ahead of the curve. 
And then you always have the bottom number, which is this is the bare minimum of what the state law requires. And you go back 20 years, uh, this municipality has always paid the bare minimum, which when you go back and take a reflection of it, it's not even enough money to pay the interest on the past debt owed. So when they're not even paying that much, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. Um, and there's ways to solve it. It's just what it comes down to is um, municipalities don't want to pay the money. Um, the other portion of it, and there are some things that municipalities and I agree with, is if we could open up that amortization period and the investment authority so we can get greater returns, over time that's going to self-correct. Um, they want to make it sound like, uh, at least here, that there's a, a huge pension crisis. And <clears throat> we can make numbers look like anything. The one number that I always point out to people is, in 1998, this pension fund had $83 million in it. Okay. Now, over the course of 20 years, we paid out $84 million in benefits. Okay. So we started off 20 years ago with $83 million. We paid out $84 million in benefits in 20 years, and we're sitting at $170 million in assets. So we've over doubled the amount in the fund, paid out more than what we started on, right? And yet we're, you know, we're way ahead of the curve. Now, if we had that broad investment authority, hard telling, we'd probably be well over $200 million. Um, and when I bring that number up, people just kind of get quiet. They think about it. it. It'd be different if we started off with $83 million and we keep paying the benefits, and now we're down to $20 million. We don't lose money. You know, you have those years where you lose money, like everything. Last year was a bad year for everybody across the nation, 2008. Um, you know, when the markets crashed, everybody lost money. But then you have those years with big gains. So when you smooth everything out, we're constantly on an increase. So it's a self-created, it, it, it's, it's turned into more of a political talking point for politicians to, to, to bash it. But the system does work. Does it need tweaked? It does. I mean, there's ways to do it that would benefit everybody. Um, but what you saw after 2008, after the stock market crash, is when everything went down, those pension obligations were still out there. The city still had to pay it. Um, but yet, they want to blame everything else. You know, we can't spend money on streets, sewers, capital projects, things like that, because we had to pay the pension. Well, if they would have been paying what they should have been the entire time, they'd be way ahead of the curve. It was about five years ago, six years ago, um, I had a study done just specifically designed uh, on this police pension fund. I took it to uh, uh, the municipality, invited council members, things like that, to come. Hardly anybody showed up. But back then, the minimum obligation was right around $6.5 is the bare minimum they had to pay. And I told them then, if you increase that to about $9.5 you're front-loading things, so you're going to get that investment return, and it will stay. And this is not my math because I'm, you know, I'm a cop. But if you paid $9.5 it would stay that over the course of 20 years. You'd save the municipality $70 million in that course by front-loading it now, Right? And the municipal leaders looked at me afterwards, the ones that showed up. They agree with the math. They're like, you're right. It does work that way. But then they quickly said, we only have so much money today to fund it. Now, that was five years ago. Because they didn't do it, 
the minimum right now is 10 and a half. So now they've already exceeded what they have when they, they would have just done the right thing five years ago, they'd still be at that level playing field. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, there are certain municipalities out there that they always want to throw out. Um, Harvey, uh, Metro East, East St. Louis, Cairo that are struggling. Cairo down Southern Illinois struggling a lot because of uh, the biggest income down there was the coal mines. They've all been pretty much shut down. Harvey's being investigated by the FBI. That should be that. That should tell you enough. But but when they bring those pension systems up, those funds, they are really like outliers in the grand scheme of things. When you look at the average pension fund, most of them are between fifty and sixty percent funded, which isn't ideal. But it's def- definitely not like this big catastrophe like they want to they want to um, portray it. You know, you know they 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 want to make it sound like it's just such a horrible system and it doesn't work. I personally, and this is my view, is they see $18 billion combined. Okay, now think about it. They grab that money and combine it to one. A governor-appointed task force or committee, however you want to frame it up, controls that money. It's a money grab. Basically, it's a money grab. Um, The big investment firms, when you look at them, we can't imagine hedge funds. Uh, you get these hedge fund managers that they have a lot of special interest, things like that. They would love to see $18 billion because then at that point, you can start investing in that sort of stuff. But then you get the other end of the spectrum that that want to, uh, and they're out there, those politicians are out there who want to uh, do away with pensions altogether and make everybody go into like a 401k type system, okay, um, which is awful. I mean, there are studies out there to prove that that's just probably about the worst thing you can do. But when you think about it, you get your Edward Jones guy or, you know, whoever out there that's going to do these 401ks, just in this municipality, that's 200 cops and then 260 right now retirees that would have to divert everything. That's more business for them, okay? Uh, Corporations, they're a big push from corporations to get rid of pension systems, Um, and that's because of the bigger systems, once they have so much money invested in a corporation, then they get a seat at the table um, when it comes to uh, uh, talks on how the companies run, things like that, because they have so much money in stocks, bonds, things like that in that corporation. So there's a lot of uh, things going against against it. Um, but at the end of the day, the system works. We just need to do a couple things to correct it, and then hopefully it gets back on track and, you know, we just keep pushing forward. So if I'm understanding this right, despite the fact these pensions aren't being funded or the the municipalities aren't necessarily holding up their end of the bargain, the pensions in and of themselves are still, for the most part, pretty healthy. They are. A few exceptions. They are. But yet we have a a, a state government that is basically based in the city of Chicago in that area that is notorious for being probably about the most corrupt – uh, seediest gov- state government in this nation, and they want to take all of our pension money and put it under their control. Am I following this correctly? Uh, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think the right now. I just read something not too long ago where the seediest state government's New Jersey, then Illinois, then Illinois. and then I think Louisiana. No, say Louisiana is really close. New Orleans yeah. and Chicago aren't too far apart. In right, politics, right, 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 right. Because I know people in both cities. Right, but you know, but the, but the, but but the thing about the Chicago thing is, and, and this is this is something that. Uh, um, I have to explain to people over and over again. 
I'm down Springfield weekly, sometimes twice, twice a week. I'm down there all the time. Um, the one thing about Chicago that, that especially anybody outside of Chicago needs to realize is, you know, you, you hear all this stuff that Chicago needs to be its own state. That, you know, Chicago this, Chicago that. But the fact of the matter is, for every dollar Chicago pays in taxes, a dollar twenty-five goes downstate. Okay, Chicago actually, and and this is just not a Democratic view. Uh, Governor Edgar, um, I just went to a thing with him. Um, he will tell you that more money comes out of Chicago, filters south, and hardly any money from south filters to Chicago. But if you go to Chicago, they they, they have such a tax base, or you know. Nowhere else has that tax base. If you go up to Chicago now, you see cranes everywhere, development. Uh, it, it's Chicago, the city itself, has its own problems. Uh, we can talk about that stuff all day long. But as far as funding the state, um, Chicago does more for downstate. The money gets diverted downstate more than, than downstate funds Chicago. And isn't it true that one of the reasons we like the system we currently have is because you have the individuals who are within the system taking care of themselves, so they're looking out for their own best interest. Whereas if we make this a large conglomerate run by the state, it's just another wheel in the cog, and right, just, right, 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 it right. just gets eaten up. And right. there's nobody sitting here looking at, well, we're doing fine here, and there's no communication on how do you help this other municipality. They're just looking at... We'll just put it all in one big pool. Right. And, and, and that's part of the problem. That, that's part of my argument when I'm down there is because most of the systems are fine. I mean, they really are. You've got the outliers, Harvey, and these other places that, that they, they always say Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. I, mean, I don't know how many times I've heard about Harvey. Okay, now Harvey Harvey's one of those systems that, that yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. But when they, when they put it into, like, just like you said, when they put it into like one big state system, the guys who are paying into it, they have no control. Now, I, I will say not all the unions are on board. There are some unions who, who um, are more open to, to having the state take it over uh, for their own political reasons, things like that. Um, but the biggest fear is, and, and this is what the biggest proposals that this – is, this is where I just totally lose my mind – is they'll, they'll say – if you guys want that broad investment authority, if you want to make more gains, more money to put into your pension system, then join a state system. Become a big system, right? Well, the problem is locally, you've got two active officers, retired officers, and two city appointees, right, controlling that fund. Now, if you put it into a state system, again, it's going to be state-run. The actual workers aren't going to have any say. And then at the end of the day, they haven't talked about it yet, but when I bring it up in hearings, when I talk in, in, in committees uh, or in private with different groups, we, the fear is, at least from my perspective, is we control our disabilities. So if an officer gets hurt, it's the local guys who have the hearing, listen to the evidence, go through everything, and determine if that guy gets a disability pension. So that's the site. The biggest, the biggest complaint by the municipality is we pay too much in the pension system, okay, which is nonsense. And, and I can get into that further if you want, but they, they, they complain. We, X amount of dollars goes to the pension system. But then the next complaint by municipalities are disabilities, okay? We give out disabilities, too many disabilities. 
Well, the municipality itself currently, they could care less if an officer gets a disability because it's not their money, right? The actual pension dollar doesn't belong to them. The reason they get upset is if an officer gets disability and that pension, that pension board grants that disability is that officer then can get health insurance, a lifetime benefit through the municipality, which the municipality has to pay. And that's where they that's where they always argue. That's the big fight. So if you take away the investments and and, and combine it into one big pension system, the only thing left for the municipality to complain about then is disabilities. So if if that happens, my prediction would be within five, seven years, disabilities are gonna go away. And then if an officer gets hurt, instead of the guys who work around him or know him or deal with this or that. That officer then will have to go to a state panel to determine whether he gets a disability benefit or not. So, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. Once that door's cracked, it doesn't take long before it's booted wide open, and then there's no saying anything. And then once you lose complete control over it, you've got no say. It makes it easier for reduction in benefits, makes it easier for them to come back and, you know, the cost of living adjustments. Um, you know, Tier 2 is a totally different subject, which is just a catastrophe. Um, but then they can easily change more and more and more and more once they got complete control. So if we change nothing as it is now, for the most part, pensions are pretty good shape into the foreseeable future. If we change some of the, your suggestions are going to be even in better shape in the foreseeable future. Okay. So we're in pretty good shape right now. And if we just did some of these changes, we'd be in better shape and not right. even fool with all this. Right. Right. And, and, and there's a bunch of ways to to fund it. There's a bunch of different ways to, to bring them up to where they, they want them to be. It's just what you got is you have to have uh, the local buy-in to make sure. You know, the last time I, I brought it up to the municipality and I showed them, showed them the math, and I said, you know, if you guys increase the funding to this level, it'll stay at this level. Now we've already exceeded it. Um, it's $70 million over 20 years. Now, who in their right mind would not invest in something that would gain $70 million investment return, right? But instead, they ignore it. Uh, they don't do the investment properly. Um, and then all of a sudden, they want to blame everybody else, the workers, the union contracts. Uh, you know, they're overpaid fat cats. I've heard that. Um, I've heard all sorts of issues, you know, on what's to blame. But the fact is, they have to own their part, too, you know. Um, and, you know, they just don't want to. It's only common sense. I uh, just reinvested some money, and I know nothing about it. But I figured out that I had money here that was getting less than 1%. And here, like you said, on stocks is a lot of times you might get a 6 or 7% return. Right. 6 or 7 is a bigger number than less than 1. Right. I can even figure that out. Right. So, now, it's I, only common sense. Now, if you, if Jeff, you can even figure that one out. Six, I don't know. six or seven is is greater than well, less than one. I remember back when the pension law changed where we could take some of the money and start investing it. Because prior to that, we weren't even allowed to do that. Right, right. It literally, this is the amount it's getting, period. And it just sat. And then when we did do the starting doing the investments, their worry was, well, you guys are going to F this up. And break the whole system so that's why they put all the brakes on it you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do the other and we can only invest i don't even know what the percentage is right now. right now it, it, it it's breaking down on fund size so if you're two and a half million and below okay you know which which you know 
that'd be like uh, around here would be like Peoria Heights. They have to have 65% in fixed income, which, which is stocks and bonds. Um, then once you get to uh, $5 million, then you can put a little bit more into equities. And then that's $10 million, And then from $10 million, you can't really start investing until you hit $50 million, Okay. And then once you hit $50 million, which, you know, uh, this fund is, is well above that. We're a $170 million fund. But we are still handicapped where we have to have 35%. We have to have 35% invested um, in fixed income, which is, which is for us, it, it's $60 million. You got $60 million basically in a bank account that yields no return. Um, now, you know, the, the downside to that is if you have another 08 and you had a bunch of money in equities, things like that, you're going to take a bigger hit, right? Where those fixed incomes won't. But when you talk to, you know, the, the investment type people, they would never advise you to dump everything into equities, right? But just, you know, for example, a 1% gain in return every year over the course of 20 years, that's huge, the way it compounds, just 1%. Now, when you, if I were to take out of that $60 million and say $20 million, put it in, in, in stocks and bonds, and keep 40 you know, in fixed income, that's a huge return over the course of 20 years. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and, and it compounds every year. So it's one of those things where, you know, we're cops, the fire on the fire side, firemen. We are smart enough to know. We're dumb enough, for one thing. We don't do our investment, but we're smart enough to find the people who know. So we go out and we hire the experts to, this is where you should invest, boom, 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 boom. And they come to every meeting, say, this is where you guys are at. Uh, we suggest you fire this manager because they're not performing. We take this amount of money, put it over here, move this, 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 and this. And that's, you know, that's what they do. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, the average person doesn't realize. Joe, the street cop's not making your investment. He's not calling his brother-in-law up, who's the Edward Jones guy, saying, what should I do with this $20 million? Um, now, back when the system was created in 94, when they redid it, um, the arguments back then, I, you know, I, I pulled some records, things like that. Where there were some people who were like, well, you know, what would stop you from buying a gravel pit or a bowling alley or this or that? Well, you know what? At the end of the day, let us control our own money. Um, that's not going to happen. These guys are smart enough to know. Um, they're local. They want to keep their money local. They don't trust the state. There's nothing at, at any given point. When you look at the teacher's retirement system, state controls it. Think about it. They kept borrowing money from the state teacher system. It wasn't the teachers that messed it up. It's the state saying, hey, I'm going to borrow a little bit of money. I'll pay it back. I'll borrow a little bit of money. Pay it back. Pay it back. Next thing you know, it gets down to the point where it's a catastrophe. Well, you never paid it back. You know? So why would you give $18 billion to the state of Illinois? And it doesn't matter. It, it, it's non-political. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican governor, Democrat. Why would you, why would you do it? Um, let the local guys keep it. Let them hire the managers to do it. And let them fund it. Politicians never found that he can't spend somebody else's money. They're good at that. They're very good at that. What's the argument about the uh, what would they save in administrative costs if they would go to you know combining all these uh, locals to one one unit? I, I can't get an answer out of that. Now I, I had a local representative uh, from the area uh, that that uh, put out there that he would claim um, that he would save the the Peoria Police Pension Fund. Uh, um, 
roughly a million dollars a year in, in fees. Okay. Now that's impossible because we don't pay a hundred million dollars in fees. Okay. Now I will say, and it's all public record. You can, anybody can ask for the numbers. We pay right around half a million dollars in fees. It sounds like a lot, but when you put it in perspective, and this this is what people fail to do. They'll say, oh, you, you spend a half million dollars in fees. You're right, but you have to go off a basis point system. We spend right around 50 basis points, which is, in the grand scheme of things, about half of 1% of the total composite of what we have in our fund, right? So we keep our fees low. Um, but when we, you know, when you start to ask these politicians who want to switch everything over to a, uh, a state-run system, what are the fees? What are the fees going to be? How much? Because nothing's free. How much are we going to get dinged? They can't tell you. They won't tell you. I don't know that they know. Be like, okay, if I'm paying 50 basis points, think about it. If you do the math, 50 basis points, about half a million dollars. So if you're going to take me from 50 basis points and say you can shave off 15 and take me down to 35 basis points, okay? So you're going to ask the cops of Peoria or the firemen or whoever, I can save you maybe 80 to $120,000 a year and let the state control your money. Those guys will be like, no, we'll keep control of our money but, um, because it's pennies on the dollar. Um, and, and that's that's what most people don't realize. So, but to answer your question, I can I can never get an answer to that. Uh, they don't know. Let me ask you this: What do you what do you make as a trustee of the uh, local pension board? Nothing. 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 So, what about all these political pointies that are on these state boards? You think they work for nothing, or are they up around a hundred thousand, like the parole oh, yeah, boards yeah, yeah. and right, 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 right. These it, politically appointees, they're they're not right. volunteering their time right, to right, manage right, right. the fund. And, and that, that I mean, that goes to another point. I mean, whenever you create another layer of bureaucracy, there's there, there's money involved. So, <clears throat> currently, right now, through it's, it, this has been going on real rough for about a year, year and a half, and some of the talk is. Um, you know, we'll, we'll create this, and if you guys want broad investment return, then you can do it. It's volunteer, so if you want to, you can. This is now the, what they're trying to, to put out, is if you want to, you can. If you don't want to, you can't. But if you don't, you can't have that broad investment return, right? So so they want to say it's volunteer, but what they basically it's blackmail. No, you know, join it if you want the broad investment return. Now, to create the system, to combine – because we hired um, an actual group, a nonpartisan Anderson Economics. Um, the government's used them. Different groups have used them. Um, and they estimate to combine all 650 funds and create one would cost up to $155 million okay, to, to create it, get it up and going. $155 million. Now, who's going to pay that $155 million? It's going to come from the funds, Right. The state's not going to kick any money into it. So now if you do take that breakdown, that $155 million, that's 10 years, 7 to 10 years worth of investment returns before you break even, right? So $155 million, 7 to 10 years before you can even break even on your investment to get to that broad investment authority, right? So logically, if it's a volunteer system, who's going to volunteer? I wouldn't. Because I wait, let's see what happens with it. Let's see what happens, get it up and running. Because the first, you know, 50 groups that join it, 
they're going to foot the majority of that bill to keep it up and running. And then, of course, it's going to be somebody else who's appointed to actually oversee it. And when these discussions happened a long time ago, anybody who's watched a government, any government, state or federal, even municipal, when they start something, it always starts bare bones. Then you get another layer. And then you get secretaries, and then you get runners, and now we got to have a director of this so they can coordinate with that director, right, 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 right. and it just keeps growing. So, your seven plus years in order to break even during that period of time, the cost is going to grow. Sure, and, and and the other thing too is, what you know, and what I keep pointing out, and, and what I point out over and over again is, not only are you risking that amount of time for your investment return but you're pulling you're taking 650 pension systems pulling them out of the market to create one big now if there's a huge increase in in returns in the market they just lost all those increases okay now of course if you have an economic downturn they may have saved some money because they're not losing money but you're but but it's such a huge gamble that that it's just completely not not worth it's not worth the risk when basically all you have to do at this point in time, give us a broad investment return and redo the amortization. Two, two pieces of legislation that cost nothing, cost taxpayers nothing, will have such a profound impact on the system that it's mind-boggling that they just don't do it. But it's about control. Who's the most healthiest uh, pension fund in the state? IRMF. IRMF. And that's why we always get compared to IRMF. Um, IRMF is right around 90% funded, but there's there's some key differences that are like huge between Article 3 and 4 and downstate. Number one, IRMF has had mandatory funding since 1973. So basically what they say is they'll come into the municipality and say, okay, for your municipal workers who are, are in this system, this is what you owe us. And that dollar amount, if you don't pay it, we're going to take it out of your sales tax, so we're going to get it one way or the other. So you have to pay it. Now, for us, you know, Article 3 and 4, we could give the municipality and say, you owe us X amount of dollars. They look at it and be like, okay, well, you say, you, you know, we owe you five. We'll give you two. Move on. And there's nothing you can do. Where RMF, they have that mechanism where they can, they can retrieve that money. The other big key is, They've got what what they call the prudent person investment rule. They can invest in anything where we're hamstrung where we can't. So those are the two key factors on why there's such a disparity between IRMF and the Article 3 and 4 pension system. So, you know, when I'm down there and I'm talking to the politicians, if you want to continually compare me to IRMF, then give me the same rules that they have. You know, you can't compare me to somebody who – you know, has a, a totally different set of, a, a totally different game plan, different rules to go by than somebody who's hamstrung. So that's not a fair comparison. But IRMF right now is is the most funded. And again, the credit card thing has been said to these folks, the politicians before. What they do is you get your credit card statement and it says, well, you owe us $5,000, but your minimum payment's $24.50. Here's $24.50. That, that's what they do every time. Every time. Um, it, it, it was probably... Six, seven years ago when um, I got approached by the municipality about our actuarial study, um, that cost us about $7,000 a year. Every year we got to do it. It's about $7,000 to have it done. They come in, they estimate how much is owed, uh, where you should be at, why you should be at whatever range. 
And I had one politician tell me, you know, you should save that $7,000, not even have that study done anymore, because there's there's always a customized study, and then the state does a, you know, a very generic study. And, and they always say, because we're always going to go with the state study. Well, the state study is always $2, 3000000 million less because it's very generic. They don't go in, like, what, what I'll do is I'll have the study done, ages of officers, retirement dates, who's coming on, who's going out. They look at the retirees, the payouts, and it's customized to this fund. The state comes in and does a very generic overview just to see, make sure, it basically, it, it, it's to make sure you're kind of in the ballpark. Well, when the, the, the local politician came to me and said, um, we're always going to go with the state, save your 7000 my reply was, I'll spend the money every year because in 20 years from now when it's totally totally tanked and bankrupt, I could say, we told you so. We asked for this, you gave us that. We asked for this, you gave us that. If you don't do that, that documentation ain't there, then it's just like they got what they got. you know. But, yeah, it, it's – and the biggest problem is how do we get the message out to the public? Because any politician, any mayor, any councilman can get in front of a camera and talk about us and how we're costing them money and all the rest of that stuff. And then you try to have our subject matter expert talk, and it's just like crickets. You got nothing. Because when you sit there and try to say, well, because we usually say things too bluntly, you know, well, they're just not paying their, their fair share. And then they turn right around and go, this is what it said we had to pay, and this is what we paid. Well, that's true. But it also made sure that you understood you're always going to be behind the eight ball. Right. But, you know, you know, say that. But, you know part, part of the problem with the, the messaging is, is cops are horrible for it. I mean, we, I mean, just we are across the state. But, but here locally, I, you know, I, I had a, a city manager, some, some other people going around talking about, uh, um, I mean, they, I, I went. I went to town halls where they were saying, Eighty some percent of your your property taxes are going to to pension funds, right? I had to stop them and one and say, okay, you know, we're done. We're done with that message, because number one, only eleven percent of your property taxes locally goes to the the municipality. Maybe eighty percent of that eleven percent, right? Because I had I had some guy saying my tax bill is about ten grand, and you're saying eighty eight thousand five hundred dollars or whatever it was is going to your pension fund. I'm like, no, no, no. no. You know, you got to look at your tax bill. You know, only 11% goes to the municipality out of that 11%. So maybe $850 goes to the pension fund, not 8000 right? And then you have to break it down to them. But, but the problem on that end, too, is, is like I always try and point every chance I get, is in 23 years locally, they've raised property taxes one time in 23 years. Now, in 23 years, the cost of business goes up. You don't want to maintain the cost of, of what business is. But yet you want to falter everything else. Um, and when you don't maintain that and you, you want to base your tax revenue off of different, you know, different issues, that's fine. But you can't blame the system when it, when it, starts, to, when it starts to have issues, when you're not keeping pace with it. Um, so, yeah, messaging's big. Um, people need to be educated on it. It, it. it can be complicated if you want to make it complicated, but it's actually pretty simple. You know, you pay it, it you're going to get money in, in your investment return. Um, and there's different ways to do it. It's just they choose not to. Yeah, you know, a couple things that, that uh, we were talking about earlier as far as, you know, the benefit structure, things like that, you know. Um, one thing that, that needs to be 
made clear that that the general public doesn't realize is is here in Illinois, Article Three and Four, uh, those police officers and firemen, the municipalities do not pay into Social Security. Okay, um, unlike the other uh, pension systems where the municipalities contribute to Social Security, those guys aren't entitled to a Social Security benefit. Now, that being said, if you have an officer who, through other means, uh, side job, military, past employment, has earned those 40 quarters that's needed for Social Security, they will get a Social Security benefit. But because of the pension system, the way it's worked, it's, re- it's reduced by 60%. So we don't get that Social Security benefit where others get it, um, and, and that goes back to the pension system. So if the municipality had to pay that, it would be drastic on their budgets, um, and that's one of those things where I don't think people understand. Um, the other point <clears throat> that I want to make clear is we get compared to other pension systems, um, other state workers, municipality workers. Um, the officers pay about 10% of their, right out of the gate, 10% of their pay goes into the pension. So we contribute as well. Um, that money is taken out. Our cops never miss a payment because they never see it. But you get a, a salary of 50000 5000 automatically goes to the pension right out of the gate. So it's, it's not one of these things where it's strictly taxpayer dollars going into it. The officers pay into it as well, and that's a, that's a point that, that oftentimes gets overlooked. Many people have no idea that right off your top, you're going to lose 10% of your pay. And when people come up and talk to you about, you know, well, you're living on us and you're doing this, and you tell them, do you invest 10% of your money into your retirement? And they go, well, no. I said, we do. Right, 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 right. And, and they have no idea that we do Right. And, 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 and the other thing, too, that, that a lot of these other systems uh, um, get is uh, health insurance. You know, right. d- you know, different different workers, depending on what system they get, uh, through contract negotiations, what, whatever means, will get health care p- provided. When our guys go, they get nothing. They get zero health care. Which makes a lot of guys stay long. Right. <laughs> guys that shouldn't. And, and that goes, and, and honestly, Jeff, that, that goes to an, another stat that, I mean, this got brought up in uh, committee talks to where, you know, you've got, in 2011, they, they redid the pension system. Uh, they created Tier 2. Now, Tier 2 officers have to work until 55 before they draw the pension. Now, there are some politicians not actually out there on the on the books. Legislation hasn't been written, but it's being talked about to up that retirement age. Okay? So it went from 50 to 55. Now, some, not all, but there are some out there who want to make their, the mandatory retirement age up to 60 for Tier 2 and then bump up uh, Tier 1 to 55. Now, the problem with that... That, that, that I keep, and these are people that, you know, they just don't get it, is it's a young man's game out there. I mean, you're out there fighting. You're out there shift work, you know, the weather, you know, injuries, things like that. And I always bring up the last, and this is from the state of Illinois. The Illinois Department of Insurance did a study. It's a, it's a few years old, but at age 50, an officer get injured. Whatever that is, whether it's a knee injury, back injury, whatever the injury is, one in four file for disability. The same injury at 30, it's one in 11. 
So there's a huge disparity. So if one in 11 at age 30 file for disability, and then as you get older because you don't heal right, it's one in four for the same injury type, what's it going to be at age 60? One in two? And then what's the municipality going to say? We've got all these guys going out on disability. Well, what do you expect when you're out there fighting you know, criminals and doing this and doing that? You don't heal like you do. It's a young man's game. And what's also very important for the public to understand is you're not getting served right because I'm now a 60-plus-year-old guy, and I'm supposed to jump out of a car, and I'm still chasing 14 to 34-year-olds right. and still fighting them, or I'm just not going to get out of the car. Right. And that's not right. We don't want to have that start happening to the public. We're here to serve and to do the right, right. thing. So right. when a guy gets into his 50s, unless you just happen to be one of those very rare people that you never lose your speed and all the rest of that stuff, right. not that I ever had any, but it is what it is. Right. Just let it go. Let it go. Keep your laughter to yourself. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, as I always point out, if your home's getting invaded uh, during a home invasion, do you want a 30-year-old? Or do you want a sixty-year-old? I want a thirty-year-old. Yep. You know, I, you know, I want that guy who's been around long enough. He knows what's going on, um, but yet is healthy enough to do what he needs to do to to, to stop what's going on. A sixty-year-old, sixty-year-old man can't do it. I mean, physically, it's not that he don't want to. It's just he physically can't. And, and this goes into the whole reason why there aren't physical agility tests and stuff after you get on the job for a while because <clears throat> now we're back to being on disability. Right. Right. Right, and so so that would up the, the disability cost. It would up uh, the cost of municipalities. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it, it's no matter what you do, there's always going to be that counter. But at the same time, it's the reality is, and what people don't realize, they see your they see a squad car drive past their house in the neighborhood. They think the officers drive by, but that officer day in and day out are doing things that the general public just doesn't want to hear about. It doesn't make the papers, the robberies, the home invasions, the sexual assaults, the fights. Those things rarely make the paper. Those That's what those guys are dealing with day in and day out. And if it happens to you, you want that 30-year-old. You don't want that 60-year-old who, who doesn't want to be there, physically shouldn't be there, mentally probably shouldn't be there, um, but because of some state requirement has to be there. Um, and you know, same with those that, that want to talk about the 401k system, you know, that, that gets brought up, you know, switch everybody to a 401k. Well, you know, if if you got a 55, 60 year old cop who's, you know, if he's 55 and he's thinking, man, you know, I can go, I've got 1.2 million. And this, this is what I, I I tell him all the time. If he's got $1.25 million in his 401k, he's thinking, man, I can go, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to go in two more years. 08 hits, that 1.25 goes down to, you know, six and a half, 650,000. And then what's he doing? He's looking at like, oh, I can't go. So what's he going to do? Work until he's 65, until he has to go to make up that difference? Who wants that guy showing up, you know, when basically all hell's breaking loose? You, you, nobody does. Unless it's Bubba. Unless it's Bubba. You just think about it. You start when you're 21 and you work until you're 50 or 55. You put in 29 years if you work till you're 50. That, that's doable. You know, you shouldn't be in too much of a hot mess by then, I would hope. But then you throw an extra 10 years on it. And then, like you said, if they, what if they don't go then because of insurance or whatever? And then right, they're working until right. 65. There, there are plenty of guys out there who are working 
strictly based off of insurance. You know, anybody, anybody thinks this, uh, that's a great idea. Just take a poll of 60-year-olds. Right. <laughs> 60-year-olds, well, you know. How many of them do you want showing up at your house in the middle of the night with a gun trying right. to catch a bad guy? And, and I don't care what anybody says. Honest, honestly, um, you know, I got a group of type A personalities in this room. You know, like guys that were hard chargers back in the day and did this and did that. But 30 years, 20 years is enough mentally. 30 years is too much. Um, you know, you, you're not going to walk out of here the same as you, you did coming in doing this. I mean, for eight hours plus a day, you're dealing with everybody else's problems. You never take the time to deal with your own. You know, when you get off, you don't want to deal with your own crap, you know, because you just got done doing it day in and day out. Um, and to, to up that retirement age, it's just, it's just crazy. That's going to conclude another episode of Cop Talk America. Be sure to tune in the next time. And while you're at it, check out our Twitter page, uh, Instagram, and where else we at? Oh, YouTube, the YouTube channel. And we're kind of getting all over the place. So we're out there, and we're going to stay out there. Remember, we only care about the truth, not your feelings.